Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I sit down with Sandra Rojo. Sapphire training helps the on-the-go woman feel more energetic, find her inner peace, and become more powerful by creating a fitness lifestyle she loves. Sandra and I had an awesome conversation. Um, She is a life coach, and she also has a bachelor's degree in psychology. So we talk about how that plays a role into her life coaching, and um, basically all about kind of finding your journey to your authentic living. That's her business name, and that's a lot of what we talked about today is how to live that authentic life and, um, you know, how we can do that by journaling through self-development, finding our true calling. Um, what if we're struggling to find our purpose? So we really chatted all about, um, various ways for you guys to help step into you and find that connection to you again. Um, and at the end, we also chatted about some nutrition and fitness, topics as well and trying to step into your authentic nutrition because I also got to go on another farm tangent rant. So we also discussed some more about um, farming and um, totally not planned, but just came out and those are sometimes the best conversations. So towards the end, you know, we really did chat a lot about nutrition and marketing again. So that seems to be a theme that's coming up and um, something I guess that I'm passionate about as well as on top of minds for my guest as well. So I'm glad to share that information with you guys. Some kind of just uncut, hey, here's our thoughts and take it or leave it. But this is, you know, some of the stuff that we have to be aware of as consumers. So that's what we got for you guys today. Um, I hope you enjoy today's episode because I know I loved listening to Sandra's voice. I think she's such a soothing voice. Uh, You guys will find this interview definitely delightful. If you're trying to tap into, you know, finding you again, this is a perfect episode to listen to. Welcome to the Peaceful Power podcast. Today I have Sandra Rojo with me. So how are you doing today, Sandra? I am doing very well. Thank you, Andrea, for having me on your show. Yes. So I am uh, excited to get to talk to you today and I want you to tell everyone a little bit more about who you are, kind of a little about your background and what you do. Oh, yeah, that's great. Uh, Okay, so I guess I'll start with the I was born and raised (laughs) in Southern California, and I'm from San Diego. And I grew up with um, parents who were quite philosophical and deep thinkers, you know, in their own ways. And so I was exposed to many different um, cultures and religions. And I was sort of raised between the Catholic Church and spiritualist churches, if you will. And um, I also grew up in, in a household where my parents fostered critical thinking and self-development, um, you know, processes. And, you know, we're talking about the 1970s and 1980s at a time where the concept of personal development was not at all mainstream. It was no. only really reserved to psychology theorists and uh, things like this. But nonetheless, um, progressive spiritual texts made um, this kind of knowledge uh, available. So it was really through my interest in spirituality that began very early in childhood that set the tone for what I do today as a personal development coach. And um, along with my parents' guidance, you know, questions were encouraged uh, in my family and we sort of discussed them. And so all of this was a huge part of my upbringing and I naturally gravitated to the style of communication. It also nurtured my already curious nature So I never knew it was going to lead me to what I've been doing for over 15 years now, 
you know, I entered college, studied psychology and life coaching and um, continued, you know, to become credentialed in niche areas under the umbrella of personal development, such as leadership and health and wellness, behavioral coaching, nutrition, spirituality, you know, kind of all of that. And so it really just hit home for me. So um, yeah, I was truly blessed to have had this upbringing early in life. And, um, and also I say blessed because my life dramatically changed when my parents divorced and my life revealed to be quite challenging. So having had the exposure I did helped me survive the emotional upheaval um, that I would come to experience from uh, a broken home. And then when I was about 23, I relocated to Italy and lived there for 12 years. And um, I did a lot of mentoring and coaching there as well and involved in other altruistic organizations. And I still have clients there. So hopefully I can go back soon and, and do some more teaching there. Wow. So that's really cool. So kind of your journey started young, which I think is not common for a lot of people that I talk to or have had on the show. So, um, you know, that your parents introduced you to all of those different mm -hmm. ideas. Um, is that kind of how you got started with studying psychology then? Is that kind of where your interest started was just at a young age? It really was. Um, my mother <clears throat> was very, I had very progressive parents um, for that time. And when I say pro progressive, I'm not speaking necessarily politically. I'm just saying just very open-minded in, in, in that way. And um, yeah, definitely, I would say it really began there. Um, one book that I remember really hit me a lot because I was exposed to a lot of um, mystics, but primarily early on Catholic mystics like um, St. Teresa of Avila, I don't know if you've heard of her, mm -hmm. um, but there is a book um, entitled Dark Night of the Soul um, by John um, of the Cross or St. John, and so it's really interesting because um, it really speaks a lot about what I do today. So yeah, the, the psychology is, is weaved into that because it is very psychological. <laughs> There's a lot of, people don't realize that personal development isn't just the spiritual you know, enlightened or trying to achieve or attain the state, but it requires um, a lot more. Um, yes. And so you studied psychology then uh, yeah. when you were in college and that's kind of where it took yeah. off from there. Yes. Always have. Um, again, going back to my early um, childhood, um, we had a lot of different um, books around the house that were in psychology. So and um, really before Wayne Dyer, for example, became really famous, you know, these, some of his early books um, that he published were around the house or like um, Leo Buscalia, for those of you who might be aware, he's a professor that unfortunately now has passed, but um, wrote a lot of books about love and self-love and, and forgiveness and things like that. So um, going into psychology was just very natural and of course, definitely coaching. Um, and I'm certified in coaching. I know a lot of people call themselves coaches, but um, there's an actual science behind it. So it's very much aligned with psychology. And um, yeah, so I hope I answered that. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, do you think that that's like the psychology with the life coaching? Do you think that really helps you see things a little bit differently than other people who might not have that same background? That's a very good question. <laughs> 
I would like to say yes, um, not to sound elitist or that somebody couldn't be a good life coach without the psychology background because um, I don't believe that. I do believe that there are really some great life coaches out there. The psychology really just um, hones it in. Um, I think, for example, my psychology background helps me um, by equipping me right, with the knowledge of how to work with and understand behavioral, emotional, and thinking patterns of an individual, not only from a scientific viewpoint, um, but experiential as well. And so the psychology background for me has always been like a bridge um, connecting me with that person and um, coming uh, into the working relationship with genuine curiosity of that person's life experiences and not so much in an invasive analytical way of connection, but more from a neutral and yet curious and accepting place. And um, yeah, so I find people's life experiences, you know, their stories, even mindset, very interesting, even if they're very different from mine. I, I really welcome hearing people's interpretation of their experiences and um, and I think that love and that curiosity just enhances it. Yeah, I have, I also have a background in psychology because I studied psychology and sports and exercise science in college. And mm -hmm. I found that somehow I picked like the perfect blend for what I do <laughs> today, you know, unknowingly. And mm -hmm. um, I also find, and my clients say the same thing because I really am interested in the psychology behind, mm -hmm. okay, why aren't we hitting our goals? What's wrong with this? you know, what's not ticking on this habit that we're trying to create, um, you know, which is a little bit different than some people that's just not something they care about or have interest in. And um, so I find that that's just a, it's kind of a unique blend when people have that and are really interested in, okay, let's figure out the whys, like what's making everyone tick. And you know, that is really it. And I'm glad you brought that up. I think uh, it's, it's, um, it, it makes the work more interesting when you do have that background um, and I think that even if you can't go to college and, and get a higher degree, uh, resources and information and, and just books are out there for you to, to self-learn, right? I think it's really important. I think sometimes we have this notion that we go to college and we get the degree or whatever, you know, and then we go out into the workforce and there's nothing more to study, nothing more to learn. And I've seen this in different, in different fields, not just in the health and wellness. And so, um, and um, in our business, and it sounds like, you know, thank you for sharing that. I, I did know that you, you had your degree as well, but, and especially with what you do, I've seen, you know, your posts and things like that. I mean, I, I would imagine that that distinguishes you from other fitness people because we have to admit there are a lot of people in our industry that, um, uh, how should I say this diplomatically? Um, you know, when you're working with people, you're res there's a responsibility there. Mm -hmm. and so I think um, it's important to have the knowledge, <clears throat> not just the experience, but some of the knowledge. And oh yeah, I've been told by oh gosh, almost probably I would say eighty five percent of my clients that was the main reason they chose me because of ah. my background, you know, on top of, yep. okay, you're a nice. good trainer and you have the expertise. <laughs> you went to school for it. You're continually educating yourself. 
Yeah. And we saw that about you. So that was something I think that oh, thank people you. notice. Yeah. Thank you so much. It, it, I, that's what try, I try to distinguish myself from that as well. And you know, a lot of people don't realize it's really hard work. I mean, even mm -hmm. though I'm a lifelong learner, which sounds like you are the same way, mm -hmm. it's, it, you know, we've invested our money and our time and, um, and, and hopefully have grown from it ourselves. I mean, it, it's also inner work. We've got to do our work too, in order to really show up for our clients. Mm, yes. Oh, that is something that I think that sometimes we can get lost on. Um, I know in some of my male counterparts, they don't always <laughs> do the inner work. Yeah. And, um, you know, we were just talking about this. I had one gal who had said, you know, it's just so interesting just to see the difference because she's lived in many different states mm -hmm. and, you know, just to go from state to state and just notice, okay, with, even within states, people have the tendencies. We all do the same thing. Like she was having trouble finding, for instance, a trainer for her husband because mm -hmm. most of the men trainers here in our state mm -hmm. in Minnesota, were not responding or like just drop the ball mm -hmm. on things. And I'm just like, that's so interesting. And she said in New York city where she just had lived, you know, we did not have that issue. And then Atlanta, it wasn't like that. So just to see, you know, like attracts like, or we do mm -hmm. things similar to those around us. And um, I just find that fascinating as well. So if you're surrounding yourself with those people who are <clears throat> trying to up-level themselves, we tend to want to up-level as well. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree with that. And um, I resonate with that because I have that mentality, you know, and so, and, and I think it's really important. And again, in my industry, uh, that is in our industry, but especially in my niche area, it's, there's a lot out there, right? And mm -hmm. so how can you understand? And, and, and also the psychology background, I'm sure you had some of this training as well. And certainly in, as, as coaches, and oh, by the way, when you are a credentialed coach, you have to continue those credits. It's not something you just learn and then forget it. You know, um, it's, it's a continuation. Um, but um, it's, it's really what I love about it, it. There's a code, you know, like the International Coach Federation that talks about, you know, there, by the way, international ICF is really known for um, being the best in the world to uh, train coaches. Um, just for those of you who might not know that. Um, but it's really this code of conduct, right? This, the, this criteria that therapists have, for example, and, um, uh, and also coaches. And so I really believe in that. I really believe in, um, in doing that inner work, showing up, being respectful and having those healthy boundaries and, and, and really just being prepared and present for my client rather than doing something like, oh, willy-nilly. Um, and I think that that's what you and I can hold by having that, that higher degree. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I think that, um, I kind of want to talk about your business name because mm -hmm. I think this plays a role into this conversation. So your company's name is journey to authentic living. <laughs> so, you know, that's definitely like something that's been out there. I guess it's probably this past year that I've heard just like living authentically. So many people have different definitions of that. I want to know what is your kind of company stance on that definition? Yeah. Oh, so much to say. <laughs> uh, and it's funny about the name thing, but we, we called for short JTAL, um, a journey to authentic living, but yeah, in, in, in order to fully appreciate the definition of authentic living, um, I really feel it's important to understand a concept that I was exposed to while studying psychology. 
and um, it's referred to as eudaimonia and it's Greek in origin and eudaim there's so much to say about eudaimonia as really all the subjects we're going to talk about today or that you're going to uh, facilitate for us but um, um, it, it's it's the realization of valued human potential that is not conceived as a mental state or a positive feeling or a cognitive appraisal of satisfaction, right? It's, it's rather a way of being and a way of living. So eudaimonia is something, um, Aristotle talked about it at length. In fact, on my website, I've, I've, um, I've got a lot of info on my website and I know a lot of people don't have time to read, but I, I just felt this is so important. This is really about you know, who we are, human potential. And eudaimone can also be translated as human flourishing, for example. And, um, but it, the essence is authentic living. And, and you're right, if, if you don't mind me just going off real quick on a tangent. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I've had journey to authentic living um, for a number of years, and, but never really put it put myself out there with social media. So yeah, you're right. It was like, I was telling my husband, I said, Oh brother, you know, I'm not a trendy person. You know? And so here we go with this journey to authentic living, but you know, it's there. And, um, what, what can you say? But, uh, but this concept of journey to authentic or eudaimonia, if you will, um, resonates with me because I have long felt, um, as did uh, many of these philosophers and, and researchers, for example, um, existential theorists such as Abraham Maslow or Rollo May, if anybody uh, remembers them or studied them, um, that says that regardless of our circumstances, <clears throat> we have the potential to transcend our basic life needs and engage in self-actualization or live as we define it authentically. And unfortunately, most people have been conditioned to live a life based heavily upon the expectations, desires, and goals of others for them, as opposed to one devoted uh, to one's individual purpose. And I truly believe that um, not living authentically is perhaps the single biggest impediment to living a rewarding, meaningful, and fulfilling life. And is the root cause of many life challenges, you know, from chronic illness to individual um, personal development. That's, uh, that's such an interesting topic, I think. And I agree with you. Like I was just listening to uh, another podcast talking mm -hmm. about this 10 year old girl had asked her parents cause they were, they're living in an RV for, um, for an extended period of time. They, you know, just mm -hmm. however long they want to. Mm -hmm. And um, they're traveling across the U S and, you know, they're in Washington, D.C. on a subway and the girl had asked her parents, you know, why is everyone so unhappy? And the dad was like, I don't want to tell her because they're all going to work, you know, because here we are, we're getting to travel and, you know, having fun mm -hmm. and everyone was, you know, down on their cell phones, looking down and not paying attention mm -hmm. to basically people around them. And I'm like, wow, that's just an interesting example of people probably not living an authentic life and mm -hmm. not being happy with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think we see that so much. And I don't know, what are some pieces of advice for people who are like, well, I have to work, I have to have a job, but how can I, you know, even fulfill just a slice of me? Like, I want to get back to me again. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a very good question. I mean, it's, um, you know, it kind of, 
kind of begs, you know, what the importance of, of the authentic life and um, it, it's kind of part of it. There's different nuances um, to what you're talking about. And, you know, I, I think this is really the, the key point uh, is awareness. We have to really bring awareness to our, into our bodies, into our consciousness. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to sort of gently challenge all of us, really. Um, you know, only until we become really aware of our behavior, of our belief, you know, our belief system, our thoughts, our emotions, and, and how conditioned we can be by others and, and our environment. Does then true authenticity show up or having that slice of who you are, or what you want to do? It's questioning ourselves within the context of life, uh, meaning a situation, right, um, that we can realize um, if indeed we are living authentically. How can we carve out? Because that kind of almost reverberates a little bit those boundaries as well, you know, being unhappy and all that. But um, again, just that kind of quick reminder again to talk about, um, you know, the living authentically really ties into how conditioned, and I use this term, I know it's a psychology term, but another, I guess another word, Andrea, would be like the influenced or programmed. Some people mm -hmm. like to use that technical term. And we always are, we're constantly being influenced. And I think this is a lot of the cause of our unhappiness. And it's so rooted into our daily life that we are unaware of how influenced we are because people would be listening and saying, Oh, well, I'm not influenced. You know, I, I beat to my own drum or whatever those <laughs> examples are. And it's like, yeah, you kind of do. But when we start looking at it, you know, we need to really bring it in. And um, so influence is also our belief systems, you know, our thought patterns. So as long as we are unaware of the outside influences, we cannot live in our true authenticity. I mean, true authenticity really comes from our core, and that's where we'll be able to find the time and find that slice that you were talking about. Um, so, and if not, you you've seen it too in in your uh, with your clients. You know, it's important to really get to your true self because our bodies feel unwell. Mm -hmm. You know, when we live outside our our, our truth long term. And also short term, you know, if you're very sensitive, you can really feel it. Um, oh, yeah, I've definitely seen that where people will run themselves into the ground, you know, just from working too much and just pushing on something that they know is not what's making them happy. And that's tough for, you know, me to see when I'm like, oh, you know, it's I know it's not an easy switch, but it can be an easy switch. You know, if you just change the perception and I think some of that too is like just that self-development and you know I know that you're big into that as well but for those people trying to make those little s switches you know where is a good place for them to start do you recommend like books podcasts or journaling anything like that well I always think that journaling is is a great tool I've been they used to call it writing in your diary a long time ago. Oh yeah. I used to do that. <laughs> yeah. There you go. You know, you lock it up and make sure. Yep. But, um, but yeah. Hide it know, from my brothers. Hide it from everybody, you know, but I think that um, the, the journal, there's something magical about getting that pencil or pen and just writing out. And, and actually there's some really great books. Um, 
the author escapes me, I, I can always get that for you and you can maybe share it with your, with your listeners. But, and you know, it, we don't have to be perfect at writing or anything like that, but definitely there's something that, that's activated in the brain when we start to journal and, and write um, about how we're feeling. Um, I do a lot of, well, at Journey to Authentic Living, we do mindfulness training and we do mindfulness coaching. So, um, you know, awareness would be another, I used that word before, but re really mindfulness. I think that we have, especially um, in, in the United States, we've become so out of touch with our physical bodies as well. And, and I would love to get your, your take on this because you really work, it sounds like, with people on, on that level as well. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but people are so out of touch with their bodies. It's so taboo, you know. Um, it's okay to talk about sex. It's okay to all of these things that are out there, you know, and we see a lot of, um, like I said, you know, sex and stuff like that. But then when it comes down to, to talking about intimacy and talking about the way we feel, we find it so difficult, right? It's kind of the, the superficial you know, mm -hmm. and um, it's interesting because sex is such a big topic and it's so interesting to everybody, of course, because it, it talks about pleasure, but we don't go into our bodies. You know, we don't, we don't drop down as mindfulness teaches us and some Zen Buddhists would teach, you know, what's going on in the body. And, and um, so I think that a good place to start is bringing awareness to your body. We know, what are you feeling? How are you thinking? What are those patterns? Uh, going through what is the the self critic saying inside of you? Um, that to me really it, it sounds kind of simple and maybe nothing magical or exciting, but I really believe that that at least that's my personal and professional experience that people are just so out of touch uh, with the way they feel, so they can't make those changes. I mean, if you're living so outside of your body and outside of yourself and looking at everybody and comparing yourself and wishing you were the Kardashians and wishing you were thin or wishing you were, well, you're living outside of yourself. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I think that's definitely something that plagues our society. I mm -hmm. mean, just so much lately. And I totally agree with that with the, you know, not being in touch with ourselves and our bodies and you know I definitely see that and actually ironically uh, <laughs> that you said that because my uh, podcast guests for next week we're actually talking about that because she has a sensual movement program and that's what she hones in on is all about you know getting us back into our bodies mm -hmm. and moving in ways that you know not just the fitness ways but combining fitness and just like Lovely. being okay with like I can put my hands on my thighs and like move my body like mm -hmm. doing a squat or whatever. And, you know, it, I can see that with, from some people, like I had a client who just sent me a text and was like, wow, this was the first time I've looked at myself in a full length mirror. Cause I don't have one in my house. Hmm. She happened to be traveling for work. She's like in probably over 10 years. And I'm like, wow, you know, and that those are the, you know, things that we don't think about, you know, that I'm sure many people, and it's not just her, you know, that are out there who are just don't want to deal with or don't want to see, you know, kind of that reflection of ourselves, which would be the same thing with journaling as seeing that reflection of what we've become. And maybe we're disappointed or sad. And there's feelings there that we don't necessarily want to go and mm -hmm. deal with. Absolutely. Um, that, that is very true. You know, we all have some um, 
body image problem, right? Um, and I agree with you. I love the fact of using movement. I think it's extremely important, even as a shamanic practitioner, because I also practice integrative therapies. Um, part of JTAL is a lot about movement. It's a lot about moving that and shifting the energy, if you will. And so I myself personally am a big um, fitness person. I've always enjoyed exercise. I need to feel it in my bones. You know, it's just part, even if it's just walking, so it's nothing really. So I love the idea of, of bringing all that in as many people that can endorse movement and how, how it, it's just beautiful. Um, but yeah, we really, it's, it's really been an interesting dynamic and especially now with television and internet and things like that, where uh, we have to just be aware, we have to be vigilant um, about what kind of information we're being fed and what we're actually consuming. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's where um, I heard the other day that there was back at, I think it was Men's Health Magazine was saying this, you know, back even 17 years ago, so like early 2000s for their magazines, they were getting mm -hmm. like eight publications like submitted for per month to like fitness reviews, um, mm. or research to review. Mm -hmm. So that was, you know, eight. Great. So now the guy works, I think at the New York times, he was saying he has like 140 articles to review a day. He's like, it's not because we're pumping out more research. It's just because we have that many more people who have these ideas who are trying to get them published. And so he said, now it's a lot harder because we have to try to weed out that information. And so we're just overwhelmed with all yeah. sorts of stuff now and trying to figure out what's real, what's not. Absolutely. How do I stay true to me when I get so much stuff out there? Do you have any um, kind of, I guess, yeah. ways people can kind of stay in tune with them? You know what? That's Thank you for that because I was going to ask you if I could actually, yeah. it sort of ties into what we were um, in regards to, to journaling. And, and I know this is going to sound a little... Um, hopefully not not sound negative here but definitely you know check out uh, my blog or, or have some of the listeners um, check out my blog and maybe even subscribe you know um, there's a lot of a lot of tips and um, thought-provoking discussions that can start getting those um, thinking patterns you know that that you have and even belief systems sometimes we need to be shaken up a little bit mm -hmm. um, to the point where we, we have to just take a look at a different point of view that you were talking about even earlier. And we're um, almost finished with a program called Authentic Living the Essentials, very basic stuff so that people can actually begin um, some, or have some framework. Um, so um, if people decide that they want to subscribe to uh, my blog, you know, I'll be having an announcement hopefully by late September that will be coming out. And I just really want to make that available because it's so important these days um, to really become aware and inform yourself. And by the way, Journey to Authentic Living, we're not here, we're not in the business to tell people how to think or what to think. We want to empower you to do that for yourself. We want to equip you with those critical thinking skills for yourself and get in tune you know, with your body. And so there's a lot of guidance here. So a lot of suggestions, there's never a, a advice or I need to tell you what to do, or you should do this, or you should do that. Um, so that would be, you know, one way. And we have to remember that this is part of personal development. It's, it's, um, 
you know, it's, it's a journey of self-discovery, of patience and lots of practice. Mm. And we can't just look at the positive sides of it. You know, I'm uh, really going into thinking about, I mean, I love the whole thing. I know Dale Carnegie and Napoleon Hill, love those guys and everything. They all talked about positive thinking and so forth. But you know, I think that our emotions, there's a lot more triggers. I work with a lot of um, assessments in regards to moods and triggers. And uh, people can't really just think themselves out of something. You can't think yourself out of a problem, you know, and really going into <clears throat> the plane of where the emotions beside um, <clears throat> sometimes needs to be looked at you know, before we can actually work on the thought. Um, and so I don't yeah, know. Yeah, do you have an example of that or could you expand on that? Let me see if I have an example of, um, well, let's take something, well, I, I had a client um, not too long ago and she had been overweight um, her whole life. And she was an older woman and she had, um, we discovered that there were a lot, you know, she couldn't lose weight. That was her main thing. And, and she came in um, saying that she wanted to lose weight. This was her number one goal. And I told her on the first day that this was something that, um, you know, let's not focus on losing weight. Let's, let's focus on, on you and, uh, the things that you want from your life and what you don't want and, and things like that. And let's leave the weight there. You know, let's not just, okay, you've got to stop eating this and then you're done. And by the way, even though I can help people with this, it's not really the, the main focus uh, of losing weight. But it was really interesting because she came with her own SMART goals. So, you know, the acronym for SMART, specific, mm -hmm. measurable, attainable, and so forth. So she would come up with her goals. And every time we would meet the following week, um, she would never do them. So finally it arrived, it came to the point where, and she would cry all the time and she was so sorry. And she was really apologetic. And I said, you don't have to apologize to me. I mean, don't you just don't worry about it. I'm here to judge you. Um, but we had a, as we would say, a coming to Jesus moment because, you know, very lovingly, um, we had both discovered that really there was too much going on that she uh, confessed to me, which I didn't know prior to our sessions, that um, for several years back, she had hired different coaches, fitness coaches. She had done this. She had spent a lot of money. And um, she really just had a lot of emotions that needed to be addressed. And that the therapist she was working with, unfortunately, didn't provide her with the necessary tools to make a lifestyle change mm. in her life. And so, um, so no matter how much somebody was trying to help her change her thoughts, oh, well, all you need to do, they would say, is get up from the couch and then go for a walk. Or all you need to do is cut down, you know, instead of even five Snickers bar a week, maybe to, you know, it wasn't working for her because she had really low self-esteem because she had been um, sexually abused as a child. I mean, things started to come up. And so 
the vision of herself or what she had hoped were somebody else's dreams and goals. It was her boyfriend that wanted her to lose weight. It was her mother that was verbally abusive, calling her a fat so. And so she came with an erroneous or a faulty belief that that's what she wanted to do. And so when it came down to it, I remember saying, what do you want at this point? Because we're not able to achieve even the most simple goals that, by the way, you are the one that said you would, you know, you would do because we're here to be an accountability partner. And she started to cry and she says, I want everybody to leave me alone. She says, I want to sit on my recliner, read a book in my corner. I don't want to leave the house. I want to open the window and listen to the birds, but I want to be left alone. Mm. And I said, you've actually been doing that. You've actually been, and it caught, caught her off guard because she didn't realize that she was actually, she was contradicting. Do you, do you see that? So in the end, it was just like, you've been doing that. And it wasn't sarcastic. I didn't say sarcastically, but it was like, you, this is really what you want to do. And who am I to tell you that, okay, you might be over 350 pounds. But as you know, Andrea, we really can't change people. They have to have that readiness to mm -hmm. change within them. So all the coaches and all the therapists that she had had throughout her life uh, were unable to change the thought because the emotion, um, the emotions, the feelings that, that were too, she was too bogged down with it. Mm. So I think it's really important to sort of tackle what's going on. How are you feeling along with um, beliefs and thoughts, but mm. not thoughts isolated, if that makes sense. No. Yeah. That was a good example of that. And, you know, just, seeing that so did you stop working with her or like what is the next step for that person would you say hey let's keep trying or do you say okay that's what you want this her, is what it is yeah in her situation actually um she was crying you know apart from i want everybody to leave me alone type of thing um to <clears throat> kind of chuckling she was almost kind of laughing at the same time and i just said this is who you are right now this, you are being authentic. This is really what you want to do. This is, and she felt a great relief. She told me, she said, after all these weeks, I, the, I feel the heaviness lifted off from my shoulder. So I guess the takeaway, um, or several takeaways, but one of them is what I said earlier, that we can't change other people. They have to have that readiness for change. Um, and then the second thing is that I was helping her accept where she was, right? Because we want to meet the client where they are. Um, and so it was just accepting that she was at the moment incapable. What really needed to happen, I think, in this particular situation, because there's a lot to say in this, everybody's different, right? Mm -hmm. But I think what happened in this particular situation is she really just needed someone to be fully present with her um, and accept her uh, objectively and, and deeply, if that could make sense. <laughs> Um, just the way she was when I said to her, and I don't re exactly remember what those words were. I mean, at the end, she just says, I love you. She says, nobody has ever, it was just that very small, uh, maybe insignificant, um, 
those words that probably to somebody else wouldn't mean anything, but mm -hmm. for her, it was just really there. It just, she just needed to be accepted. She wanted somebody to say, it's okay to sit in your recliner, eat your bonbons or whatever it is that you're doing. And um, it, it's just, I know that it sounds a little dark, but we really do have to accept that, that if people don't want to take care of themselves, that's their prerogative. It's their life. Oh, and yeah. I think that's hard. I think that's hard for a lot of people. And that's where that objectivity and the coaching and the psychology kind of come in to just sort of accept that. So to answer that, um, in her situation, no, we couldn't move on. Hmm. We could not move on. Yeah. So I think that's something that I always tell people too, is one of the questions, you know, I kind of ask basically, you know, is this something that you want to do? Like when they start a new fitness program or whatever they're embarking on, because sometimes if people are coming at it, like, no, actually, you know, my spouse wants me to, or my friend mm -hmm. does it, usually it never pans out, you know? And I tell them, I'm like, from my experience, this is usually the case because people have to want it for themselves, whatever goal or whatever that might be. And if they don't want it, you know, I can't make them want it. Right. And that sounds kind of similar in this situation with what you it, had. It's perfect what you said. That's yeah. exactly, that's exactly it. And, um, and actually that's what coaching teaches, right? We mm -hmm. can never, um, and so, uh, so sometimes therapy, again, everybody's different. Um, not every coach is the same, not every therapist, doctor, so forth, right? Everybody's different. Um, if I had had her earlier there, I, I think that there would be some definitely different approaches, not to, to badmouth anybody. It's mm -hmm. just that by evaluating her and realizing some of the stuff she had been through, um, and she was it, fatigued by the time she got to you. Yeah, she really, she really was. She really was. That's a good point. And her struggle was just, again, that conditioning. So she could never really be her true authentic self. And when we say that, well, when we think about true authentic self, we think of somebody that is very, I don't know, whatever comes into images that come into mind that are happy, go lucky, shiny people. Yep. yep. Um, but sometimes being truly authentic is just, it, it's, it's a being, it's a mm -hmm. state of being. And we are not the judge um, to say it's good, bad, negative, or positive to us. You know, we would not choose that, but it's her journey. Mm -hmm. her, that's what we, a lot of people forget. It's their journey. And so we have to have that um, compassionate detachment. You know, I wrote a blog on that. Um, actually, it was a two-part blog on that. So we, it's just really about being detached, even with our own spouses and our own family members. You know, it's a really great practice to say, wow, okay, um, you know, I love you and I want to take care of you. And this is, you know, but again, it's their journey. Mm. Oh, yeah, I've... I work on that with my husband because he doesn't always eat or won't eat some of the healthier stuff mm -hmm. that like I'll cook for me and my son. And so <laughs> I'm like, okay, I just have to let it go. And I finally just stopped, you know, so, trying to force it and be like, no, you need to keep trying tomatoes until you like them. Like he doesn't like them. Like I, that's not a struggle. I need to keep forcing, you know, yeah. just kind of move on, you know, and that was one uh, Rich Roll's uh, podcast because his wife kind of guest was a guest on one of them and she had shared what she did to get him not necessarily she didn't want him to be vegan but now he is because she stopped forcing it she's like once i stopped 
saying, hey, this is how I think you should be and kept jabbing that into him and I just gave him space, then slowly but surely, you know, now this could be like 10 years down the road, he made transitions into that lifestyle. Mm. And so like, sometimes I have to remember that too, when I'm working with my husband or trying mm-hmm. to, I'm like, no, I just need to give him space to find what works for him. And if he wants to, you know, ever try working out or different eating styles, I am here. But until then, I am just letting him do his thing. Well, I think that's a great um, way to live really. And it's a good practice. Congratulations that you arrived to that because I also have other clients that are quite not there and actually colleagues, which are more aligned to, to your niche area. And it's still like, Oh, this is kind of interesting. They're like watching, you know, and of course I studied nutrition as well. Some, and um, it's interesting. It's, I don't really, I kind of, I'll put this out there, but I don't believe that one should be eating uh, health bars all the time. I know oh, people no. sometimes eat all these health friends. They're like, we're not really no. getting food. <laughs> you. Uh, you know, it's not a substitute um, for food, but, um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think it's, um, it's, and also if you don't mind me saying something, because we were talking about the vegan, um, I used to be, uh, especially when I lived in Italy, um, there was a certain way I ate, which was, I don't know if you've ever heard of uh, macrobiotic um, I have, but I'm not familiar with yeah. that. And I, you know, it's, it is kind of meatless and it, well, it is meatless and, you know, no real animal, um, protein from, from what I remember. And so, uh, there's just a certain criteria and I would go from this and that because I've always had a lot of allergies and, um, I still believe in eating a certain way, but I also think that the industry has really, um, again, we have to be very, careful. And of course, this is just my opinion. And I'm not saying that I'm speaking the truth because I would never want to come off that way. But my personal and professional experience and where I'm at right now is I just don't feel that um, paleo or vegan or I don't know, whatever you want to call it is a one size fits all. Situation. I, I 100% agree. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because a lot of people, and we see it like on our Instagram feed and stuff, right? I do, you know, people promoting and this and that. And you know what? That's okay. You know, as, as, um, you know, if that's something you feel that you, um, but it's more important, I think, because I've worked with a lot of people who have chronic illnesses and are struggling. Um, I myself had anemia when I went, um, when I didn't have any animal product and that's kind of a long story, but, um, so I, I just really, it's interesting because here's another way, a wave of trendy stuff. You know, it's like, Oh, you have to eat a certain way because this is, well, you know, maybe in your blood or in your ancestry, you can't eat this or that, whereas somebody else probably could. So again, this implies, if you can hear this, it reverberates that authentic living. It's self-discovery. It's unique. It's your own person. So it's almost like you have to discover what fits you. Um, you know, if you can become a vegetarian or vegan later on, you're great. You know, if that fits you and your body responds well to it, great. You know, I'm, I'm the first person to, uh, or paleo or whatever it might be that you, that you like. But um, again, I think people run into things or start endorsing or embracing things without really understanding their body, thus 
we come back to the how does somebody begin to understand themselves and it is through self-examination and it is about getting in touch back to our bodies does my body respond well with um you know raw broccoli or does it respond better with just steamed broccoli you know and i'm just kind of <laughs> giving a maybe a banal example but um I always want to come back to the person. I think that my, I feel really called to go to, to work with a person uniquely, individually for that situation and for their well being. Yeah, I completely agree with that because I think that's where some of the marketing, I mean, it is, it's a marketing game and trying to get people to do things based on whatever the hot fat is and yep. trying to, you know, it's all about the dollars. Like I was telling, so my, I come from a farmers and so my dad and my brothers are farmers and my brother has nice. I don't know, some, I don't know what kind of pigs they are. Ugh, I should know <laughs> Berkshire, I think m might be right. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah. And um, he was like, Oh, this is great bacon. And they're going to sell this bacon. Mm -hmm. And I told him, I'm like, well, this is going to hit the paleo people really well. Cause paleo, mm -hmm. they like their bacon. Yeah. And so, and then he's like, well, do they eat it that much? I'm like, well, I don't know. The posts that I see, they do a lot. And so for him, and it was funny because my dad's like, oh, I would bacon maybe like once a month. And this is, you know, these are farmers who like grow this because like, it's, yeah. it's not great for the body to have bacon every day. Yeah. So those are the things where I'm like, oh, but people probably don't know if they're in the paleo in that marketing movement that a, when they talk about it, it doesn't mean that it's an everyday choice. And so that's where I think some of that stuff gets muddied down and people try to stick to things instead of saying, hey, does eating bacon every day feel great to my body? Maybe you know, that, that. that is a great point. I'm so glad we're on the same page with this. I totally agree with you. And you know this um, because you work with it, that um, it just kind of the shoot off of essential fatty acids. People forget, you know, like we've had this we've had a chronic obese, obesity problem in this country. When I returned from Italy in 2004, I couldn't believe it. I mean, my jaw dropped. It's the obesity. I mean, I'm not just talking about overweight. I'm talking about like people in the wheelchair, you know, that we first, I was really shocked. I, I, I mean, I'd come by and visit to the States, but I just was like shocked. And, um, and we're finding with research and you would know this info more um, that you know, this low fat, non-fat stuff is kind of what seems to be or the latest research getting people into trouble. Mm -hmm. So we're not ingesting, well, I mean, some people are, you know, the good olive oils and, and things like that. Um, but that essential fatty acids are important as well. I don't know if that, if, if you, what your thoughts are, are on about that, because that they say that that helped increase the obesity apart from sugar as well and the corn syrups and all that other stuff. But, um, but, Oh yeah, there's yeah. lots of whew, yeah. like rabbit hole there. Cause then I was just yeah. reading an article with olive oil and saying that basically the olive oil that we have here is not even what they have probably over in Italy because they were saying in Europe, they do not have the same mm -hmm. olive oil that we have. And it's, even if you buy the nice expensive, you know, extra virgin olive oil, mm -hmm. you're not getting that same quality. And then, you know, it kind of went into the meat, which I already know, just, I, I have to do a solo show sometime on some of the stuff Yeah, but being in the farming industry and just seeing it. Okay. This is what the farmers say. And they've been working with these animals. You know, my dad's been a farmer for, you know, oh, over 60 years. So, mm -hmm. you know, like this is, this is some of the, like the actual truth. And, um, 
like that's just what I think is missing in some of this because we don't most people don't know farmers you know I obviously I'm still blessed that I I know farmers and I know them firsthand and so we're just kind of out of touch with where our food's coming from and what's true what's not we see what the media wants us to see and I think that's just like a who knows what's right, who knows what's not anymore. I, I, and I agree with you. And I have total, um, you're talking to somebody who has total respect for farmers. And um, I um, really do. And I think it's, it, there's a lot of um, misinformation. Of course, um, I believe now for a really long time, and I was always told I was an oddball because I, I could kind of feel the manipulations that were going on. I mean, the, the, the biases sometimes in, in research, unfortunately, that, that, that happens. Um, and especially our media and mm -hmm. that, you're really, yeah, that I would listen to a podcast on that. I think that we need to talk to farmers more and we need to talk about them more. And we do need to talk about our food resources. And, um, and then of course the government is kind of involved mm -hmm. and how they've exploited um, farmers and so, um, so yeah, I think that I would encourage you. That sounds like, I mean, I really find those topics interesting. Um, yeah, it, it's definitely, it's an interesting one. And just to see all the rabbit hole and mm -hmm. that you can go down there and all, you know, where money goes and where money doesn't go. And Absolutely. some of that makes a huge difference, which people don't, I mean, that's to most people, it doesn't matter, but to farmers, that's their livelihood. They Absolutely. have to, you know, pay attention to that. Yeah, and I think they're vilified a lot. I think even people who hunt, to be honest with you, um, without getting, sorry, you know, but I just think people are vilified. Again, we have to really be careful. We can't just be, well, because of this or because of that. And we just have to be, really come into something with a true understanding and objectivity. And we have to listen to each other and we have to dialogue more about uh, these kind of topics. And, um, and that's what I try to do. Even I have a YouTube channel, then that's what I try to do as well. I don't know, I'm going to have you on for an interview uh, about this. Um, but yeah, we need to really, we need to come from a, a place of understanding. And I think um, having lived in different countries and so forth, um, one would be, you know, surprised at, at you know, that, that, people that you would think or jobs that you think are, are out of integrity really are not mm -hmm. um, and so forth. So, yeah, no, that's, that's definitely an interesting, interesting thing. So, yeah, that's where I tell my dad, I'm like, well, hopefully I get most of the facts, right? Cause that's usually when I visit him and sure. I'm like, is this right? And he's like, yep, yep. And so, cause a lot of times the the farmers aren't the ones who are going to do this. Nope. They're not going to go on a podcast. They're not, even this is not their most farmers mentality. Right. Like they're just doing their thing. And so that's where I'm like, okay. He's like, well, if you can spread the word, go ahead. Okay. I think that's a great, I think that's really, we need more of that actually. Um, yes. We really need that's, that would be coming from an authentic place, you know, um, get that out there and start. Um, Unfortunately, people have a herd mentality. I mean, that's just the reality oh, yeah. of it. And so anytime we can bring in a different resource and information to inform and educate, <clears throat> you know, that's yes. important. Oh, I totally agree. Yeah. Well, I can, it's almost been an hour, which is crazy. So <laughs> <laughs> I have just a few more questions. Sure. Uh, the first one, where is the best place to connect with you at? So where can people find you? 
Oh, thank you. Um, I can, I don't know if you want to do it on here by voice, but um, I have a website and then um, I can give you my email address. I don't know if that's something you want me to. Yeah, um, I can verbal. put it in the show notes too, if you want. Yeah. So it's um, Sandra, S-A-N-D-R-A at, and JTAL is um, uh, J and then hyphen, and not slash, but the hyphen T al.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram at journey to authentic living altogether. So please follow me there. Um, and YouTube channel. Um, I have some videos out that I think will be very helpful. And like I said, the subscription to my blogs, um, that's www.journeytoauthenticliving.com. Or if it's easier, again, www.j hyphen tal.com and then you'll see the um, subscription blog subscription there um, and I welcome any questions that any of you might have uh, or curiosity um, if you want to hear about something sometimes I make a quick video or write a blog about it um, I love working collaboratively with um, with the community mm. you know that follows me and people I I, I really get a lot of inspiration from, from everyone. I think everyone's life is important. And I love the fact that I can really see and feel that human potential um, of each individual. I love that. And then now my final question for you. So I usually do a weekly challenge to all the listeners. And I have a <laughs> guest, I have you guys throw out the weekly challenge. So what would you like that weekly challenge to be? Oh my goodness, so much. Um, <laughs> Okay, so my uh, challenge for your listeners um, is if you're not already um, practicing this, is to, again, bring an intentional awareness in yourself. And what that means is being present as much um, as you can in stillness before making any uh, decision or taking any form of action. Um, you can begin practicing, for example, with something very simple, like asking yourself a question such as, um, you know, what are some basic essential needs I have um, that I keep ignoring? You know, how, how do I allow others to distract me from fulfilling my essential needs? And then uh, within that um, awareness of yourself, you know, feel what comes up, you know, what thoughts and emotions um, arise? And again, it goes back, you know, is that that um, critic inside of yourself that calls you names? Um, and if so, you know, ask yourself where that may originate. Um, so it's really a practice of self-awareness, which has a lot to do with mindfulness. It seems simple and maybe like, oh, why is she doing this? But actually when when before making a decision or taking any form of action when we can just sit and and with it for a while because they're really unless it's an emergency or life death thing people can wait situations can wait and i think we're not doing that enough and so we're just going on automatic pilot and we're just making decisions um, out of emotion or we're making decisions um, willy-nilly and then we end up falling into stress regret grief because, oh, why did I do that? Or, oh, I could have done that differently. 
So it's kind of a Zen-like practice, but really just coming within. And, and I would say starting again with, with something very simple, you know, um, you know, you're getting up from the couch, for example, and say, well, I've got to wash these dishes. And it's like, well, do I really have to wash these dishes right now? Or does my body require me to sit down for a little bit longer and just take out 10 more minutes? Um, because that's where you're going to see your thought patterns and your belief systems, you know, who's actually running the show. So that's where that, um, th that really is a place to start, actually. Again, it's very essential, but if, if you practice that, um, you'll begin to really, really get to know yourself more, you know. Oh yeah. That's something that I, I'm like, I should have done that before I've made some decisions throughout my business career. I was like, oh, yeah. we shoot from the hip sometimes and we're like, yeah. yes. And then we're like, maybe that wasn't the best investment I could have made. Yeah. And I think that's a way I, I do want to say one last thing is that we are constantly, for those of you listening, um, we like to think in our ego and our mind that we're in control of things. Um, but we're not. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're only in control, and we've heard this before. We're only in control of our of our person, and our and, and our little inside our little capsule. We are in control of that. What comes out of our mouth and and, and things like that. Um, and so I think it's really important to practice this because then you'll get to see how influenced you are. Um, and it doesn't mean it's good or bad. It's just that. A lot of people are stressed out because they really are living um, from other people's expectations of them. Hmm. Yes. Oh, that is such a good, good point to end on. And I think that's definitely something kind of bringing it all full circle and, you know, coming back to you and honoring yourself. Thank you so much for being on today, Sandra. I've learned so much and had a great conversation with you. Ah, same here. And you have a good one. I'll see you in on Instagram as well. Yes. So everyone, you guys go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com, where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the peaceful power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.